Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winter Fame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. The Entolamaginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You're listening to the best of the Indo Daily, your chance to catch up on some of the most popular episodes of 2022. Today on the Indo Daily, Elizabeth Holmes, Terranos, and the final chapter. Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Terranos, is due to be sentenced today. She could face up to 20 years in prison. The Indo Daily's Tabitha Monaghan is joined by tech editor Adrian Weckler to look back at the downfall of Elizabeth Holmes. You founded this company 12 years ago, right? Tell them how old you were. I was 19. So don't worry about the future. We're in good hands. Hailed as a genius who styled herself as a female Steve Jobs, Elizabeth Holmes was the world's youngest female self-made billionaire. I regard you as a visionary next generation person. Is is this the kind of ridiculous pressure that nobody needs? I, I don't think there is another Steve Jobs. He was a phenomenal entrepreneur. We've got an incredible opportunity to try to uphold a legacy in Silicon Valley of changing the world. As well as the polo necks and the deep voice, uh, Elizabeth Holmes had a few rules that she liked to observe. She said that she was never a minute late. She she never showed any excitement. She was all about business. She was never impulsive. She said she spoke rarely and she called bullshit immediately. She promised to revolutionise healthcare with just a drop of blood. Diseases often begin so much earlier than when symptoms first appear. We see a world in which no one ever has to say, if only I'd known sooner. A world in which no one ever has to say goodbye too soon. But then everything fell apart. We have some breaking news we want to get to out of California concerns the Elizabeth Holmes trial. The verdict is in the disgraced Theranos founder and CEO found guilty on four of 11 counts in her landmark Silicon Valley fraud case. The jury reaching a verdict just moments ago after seven days of deliberations. Today on the Indo Daily, the downfall of Elizabeth Holmes. In 2003, Adrian, Elizabeth Holmes founded Theranos. What did the company claim to do? Absolutely. So this is what we call the nanotainer, which is a very small tube that's designed to replace the big vials that you take out of your arm when you draw blood traditionally with a tiny drop that can come from a finger. 
It claimed that a small machine that it invented could take a small pinprick of blood and diagnose whether you might get cancer or cholesterol or diabetes. It was a big claim. It was a very big claim and it's something that's been a holy grail for the med tech industry for many years, which is why it was such an attractive thing for so many people and why it ultimately ended up causing such a stir. She was only 19 when she started the company, which of course is very young. I mean, a lot of us thinking back what we were doing at 19, we weren't starting these million dollar companies. She was obviously very driven. She was incredibly driven. So according to all of the research that has now been done, went back into her childhood, talked to people when she was a kid. From a very, very early age, she told family and friends that she wanted to be a billionaire when she grew up. And her relatives described her as saying, that she was the most serious and determined kid. And she did go to college. She went to Stanford, but she didn't last very long. No, she dropped out. In fairness, like a lot of startup entrepreneurs do, after one year to form a company, which she called Real-Time Cures, which eventually, eventually became Theranos. But the technology, it, it didn't work. As much as she claimed that it did, it didn't. And it, it did become the biggest medical fraud in history. But how did she fool people? How did she get people to invest in the company when the technology didn't work? A couple of reasons. First, the biggest one is, as one of the investors later described, FOMO, fear of missing out. So don't forget, we're in 2003, 2004. This is a year before, three years before the iPhone um, is invented. Technology in the Valley is going through a transformative stage. Everybody wants to get in on the next big thing, the dot-com uh, boom and bust had been a couple of years before. Everyone's wondering what the next big thing is. Here comes an incredibly smart, driven, talented young woman with a very, very big idea. And a lot of the rudimentary technology and engineering that is provable, that does actually work. And she says she can take it to the next level. Now, it didn't. And there's, there was a trial and she was, we'll get to that uh, later on. But her pitch to mainly older men who had missed out on the tech boom, people from companies like Walgreens, retired senators, um, diplomats, people who had a couple of million dollars and wanted to get in on the next big thing and also wanted to feel that they were doing something good, that they were investing in good technology. One more fact and then I want to call Jack. You founded this company 12 years ago, right? Yeah. Tell them how old you were. I was 19. <laughs> so... Don't worry about the future. We're in good hands. Uh, and her personal style as well. So there were a number of things about the way that she pitched and the way she presented herself that were just very, very compelling, according to everybody who was pitched by her. So like you said, those people not wanting to miss out on the next big thing. And when you know that some of the big names that got involved in this, the likes of Rupert Murdoch, Betsy DeVos, who was the Secretary of Education under the Trump administration, Henry Kissinger, they weren't necessarily tech people per se. Like, could you say that maybe they were trying to get in on the next big thing, but they didn't necessarily know what to look for? Absolutely. I mean, Steve Jobs' right-hand man is a guy called uh, Avi Tevinen, and he said in uh, later on that, and I'm quoting, he said, we had a situation here uh, which was FOMO, fear of missing out. Everybody before you, he said, had bet on this. And then you combine that with this incredibly compelling story 
um, from this really, really smart female CEO who's going to make herself super rich and who's going to do a wonderful thing for the world. And you want it to work and you want it to be part of it. Um, and that sums up an awful lot of why very senior, uh, otherwise wizened figures in the world of industry both themselves invested millions. And more importantly, if you're a company like Walgreens, um, you signed up for partnerships that ultimately cost you hundreds of millions. There is also the link that she modelled herself on Steve Jobs in image as much as anything. Do you think that that also fed into the intrigue, for want of a better word, um, that they liked what they saw in her as much as they liked what they saw in the company? Absolutely. People were projecting what they thought a successful tech person should look uh, like and sound like. Uh, to me, it, it, it's reasonable to compare you, I usually don't do this, to Steve Jobs and what he did for computing. Uh, I regard you as a visionary next generation person. Is, is this the kind of ridiculous pressure that nobody needs? You know, Steve Jobs was, I don't think there is another Steve Jobs. He was a phenomenal entrepreneur. We've got an incredible opportunity to try to uphold a legacy in Silicon Valley of changing the world. And Disrupting the world. We're working 24-7 to do it. Well, I understand that's exactly how you work. That's Elizabeth Holmes. She's the Theranos founder and CEO. Congratulations on all the success you've had. I mean, literally. So Elizabeth Holmes, the biggest thing in the media that we know her for is the way that she used to dress in black polo necks, which mirrored Steve Jobs' Isimiyaki black polo necks. Jobs was very, very regimented about how he dressed. And to this day, by the way, Apple is, to this day, you will still see a uniform of black or dark blue on top and blue jeans or dark blue trousers. And that was Steve Jobs' uniform. Elizabeth Holmes uh, mirrored that. She deepened her voice, according to those uh, around her. There are some incredible videos online mm. as well from, I think she did an old interview with NPR in the very early stages maybe around 2003, 2004, and then you compare it to, let's say, her TED Talk in 2014. So they did this, what would have been a finger stick, on this little nub on his arm, and he broke into tears because up until so that point, earlier, the way that they had had... Then when symptoms first appear, we see a world in which every person has access to actionable health information at the time it matters. The difference is stark. I know, and you, you can hear the transformation. To be fair, on this point, I have a little bit of sympathy for her in the sense that investing is as much a vanity fair uh, and a vanity parade as anything else. And if the market seems to value, if you're a female CEO and you're trying to get hundreds of millions, if one little thing like deepening your voice might help that, I have some sympathy for her in doing that. Nevertheless, that all went to show how she put on this facade to try and support uh, investment for a technology that basically didn't work. We are focusing on Holmes, but she wasn't the only one who was the driving force behind this. She did have a partner who helped her commit this great deceit. Mm, that was her number two. Yeah, this, uh, this guy called Sonny Balwani, who's a former software executive. They... She met him in China uh, when she was 19, a year before she went to college. And he's 20 years older, former software executive. And they become romantically involved. She starts her company. He lends her $13 million in an interest-free loan to try and help get the company off the ground. And within a year, he's 
president and chief operating officer of the company, essentially to try and keep uh, other staff in line. Um, very turbulent relationship from the court case. It appears that they had. She later testified in court that she was the victim of a, of abuse by him. That's what she said. This was when she was being questioned and trying to uh, give a defence as to why she did what she did in relation to the to the technology. Um, for his part, he was known as being a very tough character uh, to deal with. But yeah, the two of them were a team. They were regarded by others in the company, according to the court documents, as, as the two who ran the company. So 2003, she sets up the company. 2004, she ends up raising $6.9 million. And at this stage, she's still very young. She has those big names that we mentioned on board. And then it kind of just keeps growing from there. And then in 2013, as we've mentioned, Walgreens are a big part of this story because they create a partnership together. And for those who might recognise the name Walgreens, it's the second largest pharmacy chain in the States. So this is a massive deal that they create. It's a huge deal and it's the one that really opens the world's eyes to Theranos and validates at Theranos in a way. Now that would later go on to be a source of huge embarrassment for Walgreens. But at the time, this was the transformative moment that Theranos had been waiting for. You're now, Elizabeth Holmes at this point now is a billionaire based on her paper worth or her net worth based on projecting from the, the Walgreens deal. And it seems like the world might be on the cusp of a med tech breakthrough at this little device that Walgreens is putting in its stores because it started testing the device, allowing customers to come up to take a, a pinprick of blood uh, in beta uh, phase and with the promise that it would come back with results, giving them an indication about their uh, health. That, so this was the absolute uh, hinge moment for Theranos. Now, this is not some pie in the sky. I mean, first, we get a great board of directors. We all know that. But Walgreens, Walgreens Boots, that's yep. the largest. They have decided that your way is the way to go. They have. We are in 41 uh, wellness centers in Arizona. We've been able to serve um, a huge number of people over the course of the last year. And it has been phenomenal to see what it means for people to begin being able to afford the ability to do a test when they haven't been able to do that before and being able to do it in a location that's convenient. For example, being able to come in on a weekend to get tested as opposed to having to go to an emergency room. But it was also one of the reasons that started the downfall of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes for that very point is that Theranos and its tech started to be used on people and their, and testing their health. And it didn't work. And this is something that some of the staff in Theranos had privately been warning Elizabeth Holmes about. She didn't want to know. If you read any of the accounts, you go back through any of the documents, listen to any of the podcasts, there were several figures, one in particular, Ian Gibbons, who's the chief scientist uh, there, who's one of the company's first hires, who had warned her um, several times that the technology was problematic. It didn't really work. It certainly wasn't ready for the for the public. Um, there were a lot of inaccuracies. And each time she brushed it off with this absolutely iron uh, belief that they could just overcome th these, you know, uh, hiccups as she saw them. Don't forget, she was seeing herself in the guise of a great figure, a great entrepreneur, that, that where there was a will, there was a way. And sometimes, by the way, in tech, that does work. But in this case, uh, it didn't. Um, 
And that ultimately led to uh, Walgreens starting to ask questions, others starting to ask questions, and then ultimately that led to whistleblowers um, bringing, bringing the house down. You mentioned the whistleblowers there. 2015, things start to go wrong for Elizabeth Holmes, really start going wrong. A Wall Street Journal report, everything starts to hit the fan for her. Yeah. Yeah, there were two workers at the company in particular, Tyler Schultz and Erica Chung. And Tyler Schultz was the grandson of former Secretary of State George Schultz. Again, this is the calibre of investor and board member that Theranos had managed to attract. He goes to his grandfather and he says, look, this isn't working. This is actually kind of nonsense. And she's been, if not outright lying, she's been spoofing you. At first, George Schultz doesn't believe him. And he says, no, um, you're wrong. She has assured me that everything is above board and that they go above and beyond regulatory standards, which in some cases uh, they did and so in some elements. Um, but that is the beginning of the end. Uh, the two of them then uh, blow the whistle formally on it and it, it unravels from there. And then again in 2016, the beginning of 2016, the Department of Health in the States decides that they want to look into the lab results and they say that the the tests and the lab is a threat to patient life, which really was, I mean, the nail in the coffin. If the Department mm. of Health is saying this is not good, they can't, where can you go from there? Nowhere. And once the Food and Drug Administration or a government department gets involved with that kind of investigation, you're in very, very big trouble. So by March 2018, uh, Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani um, are charged. They're charged with massive fraud. Um, Holmes agrees to give up financial and voting control in the company and to pay a $500,000 fine and return uh, several million shares of stock. And she accepts that she's not allowed to be a director of a company for uh, 10 years. Um, and that is when the whole thing blows up uh, for us as uh, spectators and the media. At this point, we now suspect that there's something deeply, deeply wrong in this company. So Holmes and Balwani, they go on trial. What were they charged with? They were charged with fraud and they were charged with fraud and uh, several other counts, seven or eight uh, different counts, but essentially of defrauding investors. And there was a, it was 11 counts, so it was quite mm. a few for the two of them. Mm. What defence did Holmes put forward? Essentially, Holmes uh, put the, the defence forward that she had tried honestly and that in startups and in technology, things just go wrong. Things fail. You think that something's going to happen. You get setbacks and you just push through through those setbacks. And that's a very seductive argument because that is true in tech. It's most startups... Uh, do actually fail. Um, the prosecution were arguing that it was something fundamentally different, that at all stages, uh, Holmes uh, and Theranos essentially knew that what they were trying to do wasn't possible or certainly wasn't possible within the parameters of the technology and the skills that they had. And that by going and taking tens of millions or hundreds of millions or you know, you know, striking deals with big retail chains like Walgreens, that they were essential, that that amounted to fraud. It wasn't just an honest mistake, it was fraud. 
but also when you're thinking, you're, when we say the tech didn't work, it's not like a phone didn't work or a new laptop didn't work within Silicon Valley. This was people's health and people's well-being, and they were testing it on people. So it's a really serious thing that they were doing. And that's the key distinction. In 20 years covering the tech industry, I've written and about and interviewed many, many figures who have always pushed it in terms of the truth, who've always come up close to the edge or, or went over the edge in terms of what they claimed their technology could do. But there is a distinction rightly in civic society between, say, you know, uh, what a mobile phone can do, the type of photo that it can take and whether something can predict that you have cancer or not when you're talking people's health. And that's the line that was crossed here. It wasn't that Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes were just you know, slightly shysterish because that is not unusual in the tech business. Um, it's that they were playing with people's uh, lives and they were potentially confusing, uh, you know, what was and what wasn't a decent medicine. And this is why it was such a big deal. And now the trial is over and what has the jury found? We have some breaking news we want to get to out of California concerns the Elizabeth Holmes trial. The verdict is in the disgraced Theranos founder and CEO found guilty on four of 11 counts in her landmark Silicon Valley fraud case. The jury reaching a verdict just moments ago after seven days of deliberations. Well, they were found uh, guilty. Holmes was found guilty on one count of conspiracy to to defraud investors and three counts of wire fraud. She was found not guilty on four other counts and they failed to reach a verdict on the remaining three counts. She has not been sentenced yet. That sentencing hearing is due imminently, uh, but she does face the possibility of um, up to 20 years in uh, prison and the requirement to pay back uh, the victims. And you did mention it earlier on that Elizabeth Holmes took to the stand we learned a lot about her and Balwani's relationship. It was, it, I mean, she described an abusive relationship. That's what she said. She said that Balwani had emotionally and sexually abused her during their uh, relationship. He, she said that uh, he had controlled things like what she ate, how her schedule looked, that he told her she had to become a new person to succeed in her business. Uh, She claimed that he forced her to have sex with him when she didn't want to because uh, of of the relationship and the way he wanted that relationship uh, to be. Um, And ultimately that didn't succeed as as a defence. She was still found guilty. As the tech editor, you have been watching what's going on in Silicon Valley for the last two decades at least. What do you think Silicon Valley has learned? Do you think that they showed that there's a flaw in the culture or was it, like you said, there was just certain people that felt that they were going to miss out? Has Silicon Valley learned anything from the Theranos saga? Ultimately, I don't think so. I think that Silicon Valley and the tech industry is all about big, risky bets and capturing the next big thing. And that's what Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos promised to do. Um, But I don't see any evidence of those bets easing off. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of money in the world and that money has to be placed. And uh, you will always find somebody who will tell you that they can do something incredible with that money. And one out of 10 of them them will do. It's just the other nine out of 10 uh, that won't. But that is priced into the industry and it's priced into the bets. I don't expect this case to make any difference whatsoever. 
Adrian Weckler, thank you. Thanks. That was Adrian Weckler, Technology Editor with the Irish and Sunday Independent. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode was produced and researched by Mary Carroll, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from CNBC, TED Talk, CBS and NBC. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.